0: Hey this is Rox from Passion. You all listened that versus node? this is node podcast where everything old is new again i'm eddie inzotto your host and i'm here with some very familiar faces and voices probably not faces but definitely voices we've got jason Finelli. how are you jason
1: i feel like i'm being scolded <laughs> Why? You're really excited all of a sudden We're talking in a normal voice and all of a sudden you're like, Okay, go. Sup everybody So I'm like, whoa, what's going on? But no, I'm doing I'm doing just fine.
0: All right. Uh we've also got Mike Murphy here eating a giant burrito on his Skype <laughs> picture or, or sandwich or something. How you doing, Mike?
2: That would be a subway sandwich. Five dollar uh, foot long, I believe I had. Well I someone had a, a
0: crappy camera. That's all that I've w- got to say.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> It was it was my laptop web camera. Okay, get off get off Okay,
0: the bat. there
1: we go. Exactly. So Mike
2: has a crappy camera. That's all. <laughs> I was eating, I was eating that that sandwich while while staying in an apartment and covering New York Comic Con. Thank you very much. So. Okay. I was doing, I was doing work while eating. I'm glad. It was multitasking.
0: I'm yes. Ed, you were shirking your responsibilities to cover <laughs> that convention just so you could eat a sandwich.
2: Yep. Ah. Take a picture of it with my terrible webcam. <laughs>
0: And last but certainly not least, we have a blast from the past. Anyone who's been with Versus Node since the beginning will recognize you. this man, CY Reed. How are you, sir?
3: I'm good. I have Cinnabon. Oh, no. so I'm, I'm quite fucking happy with myself right now, to be honest.
0: <laughs> is this another Cinnabon, or is this the same Cinnabon you said you were getting?
3: This is. Um,
0: this if you is might- yeah,
3: I bought. Well, the thing is, I bought four of them. Oh um, there are a thousand calories each i can get through two and then i have to stop so i've still got two left um because it's uh it's round the corner from bafta in london so whenever we go there for games events cinnabon is the next logical
0: step goodness um, and have you listened to the lewis ck stand-up
3: i have indeed he's one of my favorite stand-up comedians um I know that routine far better than I should.
0: <laughs> so so when you're in line for Cinnabon, are you Is your like face in your hand just like oh I can't believe I'm doing this. Can't believe um, I'm buying for Cinnabon.
3: <laughs> oh no, I've got no shame. Like <laughs> if there's any shame it's completely internalized.
0: He's like skipping to the line and whistling when he gets there.
1: Cinnabon's number one <laughs> fan right here. Yeah. Oh yeah. T shirts and all.
0: Oh goodness. Oh, man. Okay, so...
1: (laughs) He's probably probably going to bib.
0: I'm about to vomit, so let's just just get on to uh,
1: to
0: what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) And actually, today, we are talking about talking about games... And that wasn't a record skip or a mistake. Um, that, that's really what we're here to talk about is the discussion of games and uh, basically the effect that that has on how we perceive and enjoy the medium. And, I mean, it really starts um, with with the venue for everyone's conversation and name calling and crying and bitching and pleading and exaggerating Twitter. So well, I, I, I'd love to start there because I find myself on a roller coaster relationship with Twitter where sometimes I'm very much engaged and sometimes I just need a break. Um but in my case, I don't know about in yours, uh, everything that I talk about on Twitter is about video games, and I'm sure people have their own little niches on Twitter, but for for me it's video games, and I, I think for you guys it's a lot about video games. So, I mean, I guess just to just to start out, what, what have you guys been talking about on Twitter lately as it relates to video games?
3: I've been mainly watching, uh, I don't know if you know who Sh- uh, Shahid Ahmad is, but he works at... Sony Computer Entertainment Europe as a senior business development manager. Um, And seemingly his job at the moment is to seduce as many indie developers as possible and get them to put their games on the Vita. Um, So I've been following him pretty closely because he seems to have like two to three meetings with different indies a day. Um, And it's sort of constantly making the Vita... Downloadable library larger and larger and larger. So he's been pretty interesting to watch, actually.
0: Interesting. So are are a lot of people engaging with him about this, and are you seeing a lot of stuff yeah. that that you're engaging with, and and what sort of response is there?
3: Um, the response's been really positive. Um, he's really open and honest and genuinely really passionate about Sony and Sony consoles and things like that. I mean, you've always got to take it with a pinch of salt because he is on their payroll,
0: mm-hmm.
3: but. Yeah, no, generally he's been really enthusiastic. He's been really open. Um, It doesn't matter how long you've been making games. He's really interested in talking to you. Literally, if you've made anything at all that can be ported to Vita, um, he will start a dialogue with you about making that happen and getting your games on the PlayStation Network. So it's been, yeah, it's pretty impressive stuff from Sony, to be honest. Hmm,
0: Hog Marine in the future, maybe?
3: Yeah, I was thinking
1: that. OCD (laughs) Yeah,
3: I'm I'm really looking forward to porting a game written action (laughs) script to Vita. Maybe... um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to do any
1: programming for free, that would be fantastic.
0: <laughs> I'm not even necessarily sure what all that means, but I'm sure it's not easy or and fun. The, yeah,
1: I'm sure it's a big pain in the ass. Yeah. How
0: about you, Jason?
1: I I came to a realization about Twitter recently, um, and the, and let me explain this. We're we journalists. Journalism 101 says that we are supposed to be objective, right? That's what we were taught when we went to writing school. I know that's what I was taught. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. And Twitter, you know, they say that the feelings expressed on this Twitter are the writer or the person who's typing them only and does not represent any medium that he writes for, which is fine. However, it does re- as it says, represents that particular writer, which means when a guy goes on to Twitter and starts bashing the shit out of something for no reason, stuff that he's probably not going to write because he knows it wouldn't fly in an article, it kind of hurts his objectivism. That, that makes sense, right?
0: So basically, you see him write an article that doesn't mention any of these feelings. Meanwhile, you know his true feelings. And
1: exactly. It, it kind and you kind of praise him. Yeah. That bothers me. And it was really highlighted during the Xbox One reveal, which, granted, it deserves a lot of criticism. But there's journalistic criticism and there's snark. Yeah. And, to, and to me, snark doesn't help. Journalistic criticism helps. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what was
0: said Exactly.
1: I, I, I probably probably should have come up with some examples, but there was a lot of you know, on my Twitter feed that day. There was a lot of sarcasm. There was a lot of "Holy shit, what are you doing?" And some were from you know my friends, which I expected, and I kind of played with back and forth with them. But some of these people, like big time—I don't want to name any names—but big time journalists, big, big place, big places, big you know areas of influence, huh. are just ripping this thing. and to me, that goes against everything that they're supposed to be doing. Again, I know, and so I don't know
0: don't name any names, but who? <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> don't don't tell us who was saying it, but who, who was saying it?
1: Who was saying? <laughs> Got fired. <laughs> right. I see what you did there. But people at the top of big time, or within big time websites, were really ripping this thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, yeah, sure, you want to criticize it, fine. You want to throw a joke here or there, great. But when it becomes a race. To see who can come up with the snarkiest comment on Twitter the fastest, that to me mm. kind of th- – that's where I have to take a step back and be like, all right, I need to reevaluate why I'm going on this. Am I going on this to get the information? Am I going on this to get live commentary? Or am I going on this to out-snark everybody else?
0: Right. And that, it's not even only with with the insta-snark either. It's – it's um, even when a game is released it seems, it's – Whoever gets the game earliest and and talks about it the fastest can put their opinions out there. And, and it's usually like they played the first ten minutes of the game. I mean, I've even done it myself. I've like hit a, uh, a certain point in the, the first two hours of a game. And I'm like, ugh, this is so annoying. Let me say something on Twitter. And then like, oh, wait, maybe maybe I'd look stupid if I say something on Twitter now and then realize something else later. And a lot of people do that and look stupid. Um,
1: I, I, I will admit, I'll do that, but I normally do it, like, if I'm in the first two, three hours of a game and there's something that I'm really, really into, there's a mechanic or some kind of story element or something, I'm like, this is awesome. I'm more inclined to say that yeah. than I am to just get on Twitter and be like, wow, this game fucking sucks. Because I, I can't do yeah. that.
0: I guess that's I, true. I can't say
1: that. People, people I'm, I'm you know, I have 300-some followers. I'm sure half of them are Russian female bots. But the other 150 are people who i guess either friends or family or people that i've met at, at conferences who respect my opinion on these things. And if i go on there and rip a game that i'm only 2 hours into, that's irresponsible.
0: Yeah. Or sure. if
1: if i Absolutely. If, if i rip something, i mean granted if i if e3 comes in a week and a half and i see something i don't like, i'm not going to go on there and be like fuck this. I'm going to be like that doesn't make sense and here's why. Which mm. are two different things. Yeah. Right. If I, if, I, if I travel to Best Buy during the week of E3 while you guys are out there and I go play one of Nintendo's demos, there are going to be things I like and don't like. I'm not going to immediately take my hands off of the Wii U controller, go to my phone and say, this game is doomed. Screw it. No, it, that's irresponsible. It's not even – It probably those demos aren't even six months to a year until they're ready to be – released so for me to then start cursing it a a full year almost before the game comes out i i can't do that and maybe that makes me you know a wuss or whatever but i feel like twitter and facebook and tumblr and well not so much tumblr but all of these social things are now kind of coloring journalism as a whole Mm -hmm. because i think from a development standpoint
3: um i completely agree with you mainly because it's just not it's not constructive and it's not smart because i mean if you look at um the example i was reading about today is animal crossing new leaf yeah. where they only actually made you the mayor of the town really far into development so that wouldn't been you know had they shown you you know one or two years into dev you wouldn't have seen that and it changes the entire dynamic of that game mm. um, exactly so yeah no it sucks because it's uh yeah, from my standpoint, if somebody, <laughs> if I was like six months into development, and you came along, you were like, "This is the worst thing ever." Just like, it's not done yet. <laughs> it's like, That's it's like, true. It's, you know, it's it would be like sort of like I've got the two pieces of bread out. I put butter on one side.
1: The ham. <laughs> but you ate it. You ate
3: it. You're like, "This is the worst sandwich I've ever had." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, well, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm
2: doing my best. Give me more time. <laughs> well, now we've been talking about preview builds and st- stuff that isn't finished but Jason do you feel the same way about people who play a full-on game played it all the way through the end and then bash it on Twitter as well
1: only if it's consistent with the article they're, re- they're writing about it if they're reviewing it if you're going to review a game and be professional and cordial in your dissection and then get on Twitter and be like this is what I really wanted to say no no no, no, no. say what you really wanted to say don't don't shirk 'Cause I'm sure the people that you're trying to avoid in your actual article are following you on Twitter anyway. Mm. Yeah. So it's not like you're going to avoid them by going to another medium. You're still gonna they're still gonna see it. I'm gonna show mm. a little more respect and respect exactly. to your criticism. I'm gonna say, hey, you're like your game was a two, and here's why. Exactly. It's it's essentially a definition of what journalistic integrity is. And that's why this E3, I was kind of alluding to this with Eddie through text message when he first mentioned this topic. This year for E3, I have decided that I am only going to tweet facts. I am going to tweet no reaction whatsoever unless it's something that I feel really strongly about. Like, if you think for one second that I am not going to tweet reaction to Smash Brothers, you're crazy. Mm. But but if it's if it's something that I am indifferent about, I'm going to be indifferent. If it's something that I feel strongly for or against, I'm going to say why, but I'm not I'm going to resist as much as I can making sarcastic comments for the sake of making sarcastic comments, trying to keep up with the joneses. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't I don't want to do that this year. I want to try and show some decorum in my coverage. All right. And, and maybe Maybe I'll lose followers because I'm not enough of a dick. Maybe I'll gain followers because people just want that kind of reporting. I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: You are not funny anymore, Jason. Yeah,
1: (laughs) and and you guys know me. I'm one of the most sarcastic people when it comes to this stuff that could ever be. I'm always cracking jokes about this shit. But there comes a time where you just can't do it. You you need – there needs to be a – a line, say.
0: So, how about as um, not so much as a game journalist or critic? What about just as a as a player? When you go online, and you see the conversation about a game. You know, maybe in the in the first few days of its release, the first week, and there's all this opinion flying around. How does that color your your desire to play that game, or does it turn you away? Because I mean, I've heard people say that with all of the opinion flying around, it's like, they get overwhelmed and just don't even want to play the game anymore.
1: I feel feel like that depends on the game itself, because the more I hear people talk about Thomas was alone, the more I want to play that. Mm -hmm. But when Call of Duty comes out, everyone's going to be talking about Call of Duty. So that rush of people who are talking about when the reviews hit, or when the game launches, you know those people are going to be there. You just have to decide who you're going to listen to and what you're looking for.
0: Hmm. So it almost seems to just kind of magnify what your feelings already are about the game. Like if exactly. you're interested in the game, it just sort of intensifies that.
1: Right. But and if and if there's a if there's a, a guy who's ripping, and, and that's another problem with social media. There could be a guy. There could be a game. Like say, I'm looking forward to Remember Me. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I as a player, am, which is true. I am as, as a player, am looking forward to Remember Me on June the fifth or fourth or whatever it is. Now, if a journal, a journalist, or somebody in the industry gets on and starts ripping the shit out of it, as a player, before, or as a normal player, I would probably want to defend it, mm. and then start, you know, well, there would, there might not be a back and forth, but and then I would, and then I would be forced to react, and throw even more vitriol on in, into the into the social media machine. So then we're going back and forth, possibly, about how your opinion is wrong. No, it's not. It's an opinion. And, and it just becomes a useless Twitter war, which happens all the time.
0: Bone in or bone less?
1: Right. I, I did, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I participated. But case in point.
0: Yeah. How about you, Mike? How do you feel about it?
2: Uh, well, it, it really all depends. To me, personally... Uh, When it comes to to Twitter, there are certain people I follow whose opinions I I know I will trust. Um, I'm going to look at everybody's reactions just because I'm curious to see what people think about games and what they're going to say about games. There are are certain people, uh, certain journalists, certain friends, whose opinions I will actually trust just based on the fact that by looking at their tweets and having previous discussions with them in general, uh, who I know have, have similar interests and tastes as me or have, a, or who will look at a game in a similar fashion as I will. And I will take those discussions and, and, and those kinds of comments are what will actually influence whether I get more excited about a game, whether I get a little deflated about a game. Um, we are all so
0: rational here.
2: Jeez.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I How are you? Are you more emotional about this stuff?
3: Um, I've kind of made a hobby out of attacking Ben Kachera on the internet so <laughs> I feel like um, I feel like I would be derelict to my duty if I didn't spend at least one day every couple of months putting out what a massive prick he is but you know I think the, the thing with Twitter is it's it's kind of a it started out really well, but now it's kind of, it's like the Xbox One thing, it's just, um, it kind of turns into Eurovision or, you know, when everyone's watching a big event, it just turns into a stand-up comedy competition. Um, I'm as guilty as anyone else, but sometimes the flaming can help, like sometimes it can actually raise issues that are of genuine concern, but never actually accomplishes anything. Someone said the other day they don't think there's ever been a major games company. You know, EA's never looked at Twitter and gone, man, people are really pissed. Uh.
0: There's
3: like a hashtag and everything. We should probably, you know, renege on this uh, particular business decision. It doesn't happen.
1: Um, um, I would disagree uh, recently because it, like, it sounds like Sony is listening to PS4, no DRM. I'm just saying, I don't know that it never happens, but it definitely yeah. doesn't happen. Often. I would say that Sony are probably
3: like the best possible example right now that we have of a games, a large games company actually doing what they genuinely feel is in the best interest of their consumers rather than
1: being a business. Right. Yeah.
3: I, f- I feel like they're pretty, um, they're pretty sort of open and uh, positive these days. I'm quite comfortable with them.
1: Well, and here's the problem. we be talking about social media and games and how it can negatively affect things, but it also does so much good. It can do so much good. One reason why, the hashtag, one reason why is a big example of how yeah. it could be good. The problem is just like practically everything, when there's a lot of negative – And a little bit of good, the little bit of good just goes by as the wayside, and everyone's just going to focus on the bad shit. So
0: what's what's one reason why? For anyone who doesn't know,
1: one reason why was a hashtag created by female, I almost said female women, Jesus Christ, (laughs) by women (laughs) in in the games industry, whether they were PR developers, um, spokespeople, whatever you want to, whatever whatever position, journalists, and why they do it, and a lot of those, unfortunately were to come up over uh, sexism or or sexist remarks or sexist. So basically people saying they do this because they like it, not because, you know what I mean? And reading some of those responses were just heartbreaking. But, I mean, we all knew it happens. We've all seen the idiots that um, go to cons and stare at the women. We've we've seen that. We've walked past it. uh... Um, think... It all it all started, if I recall, from a uh, blog post by Megan Marie, the former Game Informer turned Crystal Dynamics rep, about a group of cosplayers and a journalist that went up to them and basically yeah. started making the remarks. And she was like, get the hell out of here. And he was just being a real jerk. I really wish she would have named him. I really wish she would have named him. But she didn't because she's, you know, she has integrity.
0: tell you um when there's a big reveal or a a press conference that i can't attend personally i don't go anywhere near twitter because all i see is a million people just saying the same thing and uh, it's just not helpful at all i could look at one article written by mike murphy that says everything i need right there real quick and then formulate my my decisions (laughs) and opinions based on that i don't need to hear everybody chiming in no one chirping
2: I've done it before. I, I, I got this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Mike's done a really good job with both of the conferences this year.
2: Thank you very much.
0: But um, another question I have for you guys is uh so I remember when I was a kid. When I was little, I had a Nintendo Power subscription. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't in charge of what games I got at that point. I, it wasn't really up to me. Uh, I could, you know, put in the request to the powers that be. <laughs> and they saw fit, that <laughs> they would get me the game. So, for a lot of the time, I used that Nintendo Power magazine to read about a game in instead of playing it so it was sort of a replacement for actually having the game to play i would go through the maps and like it would almost be like playing it when i looked at the pictures and read about it um, i did that do you, yeah so i feel like a lot of people did do you think that twitter serves that purpose for some people you know in a more positive light
1: uh um, i would i would say more do. oh go ahead you first
3: oh no it's just a you know it can do um uh, one of the interesting things, I mean, uh, you mentioned earlier today that you were going to talk about, um, you know, en- encouraging play through discussion. And uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting was that Dark Souls came out. And then um, a year later, uh, as a-, a games journalist in-, in the UK called Andy Hamilton, who helps run a site called Midnight Resistance, and he got Dark Souls. And I don't think he'd ever owned it before. And everyone had kind of played it and most people would stop playing it bar sort of like the hardcore, the soul bros. Um, and uh, he started tweeting about it, but just constantly and really, really passionately to the point where almost everybody in that circle of people who had put the game down started playing it again. Yes. Um, to the point where my feed was just full of Dark Souls discussion for about a month. It was amazing. Are they from software haven't employed him as like their head of PR yet. I've got no idea why. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just it was just like an interesting I think example of kind of hearing about somebody play a game constantly to the point where I actually went back to something I didn't think I'd be that keen on because my enthusiasm through him was, you know, t- so high at that point that I just felt like it was something that I had to I had to try out.
0: That's funny. I had almost the exact same experience when uh, Chris Spawn or Span, um, who has since done the Glutton for Punishment column on GamerNode about Brogue, he he initially started with Sponda's Dark Souls and just talked about his adventures through the game, and I found myself going back to his Twitter feed and and back to his uh, blog, just checking incessantly to see where he's gotten up to so i could relive it again with him and and you know talk to him about it and it was it was a lot of fun and um i didn't actually have the time to pick up the game again because i had other stuff to play but man it it felt good to know that someone else was going through that again and i could sort of participate vicariously really cool
1: I, I'm, I'm with you that Twitter, people talking about a game on Twitter will make me want to play it, but more often than not, if I'm on Twitter, I'm on my phone or my computer, which means that I can go to YouTube and watch a Let's Play just as easily. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So I think yeah. that I think that Let's Plays and YouTube have actually done more for me experiencing games that I would normally wouldn't have been able to experience um, now, like because I don't have time or whatever, yeah. than... The normal like like it used to be with the mag. I used to do the magazine thing too. I remember <laughs> that. I I didn't have Nintendo Power. I had Game Pro. Oh okay. Yep. And it would be the same thing. It would be me wanting to play every game and only being able to play a certain few due to budget concerns or what have you. So I had to live them live vicariously through pages in a magazine. Right. So I'm with you there. I completely understand that. I
0: like the the idea of the Let's Play culture, because that's actually bigger than I think I realize in my own personal uh, existence on the internet. Do you find oh, yeah. yourselves watching a lot of Let's Plays? Uh, I'm just curious um, to know how you guys there's do it. A,
3: there's a really scary Let's Play uh, statistic, which mm. is uh, the Yogscast, who are arguably like the biggest Let's Play network out, outside of Machinima, mm um about a year and a half ago i think it was maybe 2 years ago they posted that they had actually outranked uh, lady Gaga on youtube um i think they're now in like the top i wouldn't be surprised if they're now in like the top 10 youtube channels um every every video of theirs gets well over a million views very very quickly i think actually let's plays are um actually a pretty significant threat to traditional games journalism um There's a lot more people Mm. engaging with games coverage via video now than there were before, and it's quite a weird, it's quite a difficult medium to compete with, I think.
0: It's
3: true, because
2: when you think about it, why would you read an article about a game when you can just watch somebody play the game and actually see their reactions on it real time?
3: Yeah, it's it's inherently more
2: informative.
0: So strange. No reviews, just watch the game. Uh, But then does that detract from actually playing the game? I don't know. I don't know where I stand on that. I feel like I would only want to watch a Let's Play if I never intended to actually play.
1: Or if it's very early on in the game. Or if I'm trying to play a horror game and I want to know what comes next. (laughs) Yes, I've done it.
0: (laughs) The classic Jason Finelli horror.
1: (sighs) Sorry, I've done it. I'm not going to lie. Awesome. Well, you know, I wanted to play the game. I wanted to experience it. But I had to know when something was going to jump out at me, and even then, sometime the Let's Play let me down.
0: (laughs) So that's really interesting that we're talking about reviews versus Let's Plays, because there there are two ways that we discuss games, and they're they're very common. Um, And I think part of the appeal or necessity, maybe, of a Let's Play versus a traditional review is that Games have evolved so much that maybe they're not as reviewable as other products like a watch or a cell phone or things with definite functions that are good or bad or helpful or not. They're more experiences, you know? Um, do Do you find that games are becoming less naturally reviewable?
1: No. I mean, movies are reviewable, and they're literally two-hour experiences. You don't do anything else but sit and watch. You have an opinion at the end, and that's how you feel about it. Games are the same way. The only problem is with a movie, you know you're dedicating at least two to three hours of your time. With a game, the game could be 60 hours long, and you have to break that up. And if you're only breaking it up into an hour or two hours a night, that's a month. So it takes you a month to make a full opinion, which means you're going to forget some stuff in the beginning... And only remember the last week or so.
0: Yeah, but isn't yeah. it? It's so much more. I, I want to say emotional and personal than than. Uh, let's say not, uh, not including books, movies, games, um, and anything with narrative. Let's say things that are narrative less, like food. products. Um, oh yeah, food too. I guess is another another My one siblings. of those ones. Yeah, so a bicycle, for example, it's like, oh, this is a bicycle. It's got this kind of chain, this kind of brakes. You know, it, it's very clear cut when you when you review a product like that versus games. And I wonder how the professional review might be different from just the casual ask your buddy how he felt about it, sort of uh, let's call it a review also. Now, is there a um, difference? Should there be a difference? Um, what should that difference be?
3: Uh, I think I think the issue you run into is that if you're reviewing, say, like the iPhone six comes out and you review it, you can do it purely objectively. Um, not completely obvious is it's psychologically impossible to be a hundred percent objective unless you're a computer. But mm. um, you do kind of run into that problem with with games and, and books and TV because they have narrative and they have people and they have you know, emotional and sort of uh, socio-political issues and things like that. So you're inherently invested uh, far more than than you would be or should be with uh, with an iPhone. So it's it's it's, it's got to be more subjective. You do get some sites that do the classic uh, thing. And I think I don't know if IGN still does this, but you know they used to do that whole like five-point list thing where they'd be like graphics, gameplay, sound, uh, replayability, and something else and it's it works very well as an objective review, but in terms of how you're going to feel about it, if it's a game that's got a really strong story like I don't know like Nino Cooney or Thomas was alone, reviews like that are completely pointless um i think i th- I think if you're you're dealing with really emotional content, the reader deserves a review that is in turn emotional in itself in its reaction to
0: the medium that it's and the media that it's discussing. Mm. So, Jason, you've you've got a ton of friends who play video games, right?
1: I'd like to think so, yes.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> so when you go online and you read a review versus when you go and you talk to your friends about games and get their opinions of it, what, what are you looking for? Are you looking for differences? Are you looking for similarities? Like, how do those things differ to you?
1: Well, there's a lot more profanity with my friends. <laughs> for one. But, n- no. Talking to a friend is getting the gamers perspective and reading a review is getting that reviewers perspective now technically they're both gamers at heart sure but that guy's being paid to review it so he has to follow a certain set of rules my friend can say whatever the hell he wants so in theory my friend might be a little more honest in his opinion because he's not held back however there are times where the friend there may be something about his personality in general. He's always negative. He certainly favors one system over another, or or and so on that I have to take into account. He could bash Uncharted all he wants, but he could also be an Xbox fanboy. So right there, his opinion is colored. So I can't trust that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he could be the Halo is the best game ever, but he's also only owned Xboxes since 2001. Again, I can't trust that.
2: You could say the same thing about genres, too. Like, right. your friend could completely hate on, you know, Civilization Five, but, you know, he's somebody
1: who's really just into RPGs. Exactly. Not a strategy person. I hate Dark Souls, but I only play shooters. Mm. You
0: know well, I mean? I mean, so could so could a, quote, professional games critic. Well, yep. the,
1: professional, the professional games critic, unless he runs the site himself and make, makes his own decisions, shouldn't be reviewing an RPG if he is going on record saying he doesn't like it. Or that or that critic should at least, you know, have the wherewithal to know about and
2: respect what that certain genre does and be able to try to review that genre, you know, or that game from the from the the
1: the lens of that genre. Exactly. See, when you entrusted Metro onto me, Eddie, that review is coming, I promise. Um, (laughs) When you entrusted that to me i was like shit it's a horror game i'm gonna have a lot of trouble getting through this because of the experience we had at e3 2012 was it last year yeah that's not real horror no it's not and (laughs) it's not but based on that i was like oh man i'm gonna i'm gonna be so ruined by this and i wasn't and i don't want to give away what my review is going to say but i was so pleasantly surprised by this game So it's
0: Jason appropriate horror, is what you're saying.
1: Jason approved. Yes. Okay. Jason tested. Jason approved. (laughs) 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 It's the kick serial of horror. Nice. (laughs) Um, So
0: it sounds like basically what we're saying is that the best review and most influential review is the review by our best friend with complete knowledge of the entire game industry. If that is possible.
1: (laughs) <laughs> never gonna happen now if that will in all seriousness basically in order to trust the opinion of a peer whether it's a friend or a reviewer we have to have some kind of confidence that they have knowledge of the industry as a whole like you just said we have to know that whether it's through reading all of their articles knowing their background knowing where they came from or being friends with them for so long that or like Matt Boyle Matt Boyle I've known since first grade I know where he comes from I know the games he likes to play he didn't like Mass Effect, he thought it was too slow. But Borderlands, he can't stop playing. I know that about him. That's no mm-hmm. so I'm never, I'm never going to ask him to review Mass Effect 2 for me because that's not his type of game. But I, I I it's just knowing who knowing your knowing your audience, knowing who you're talking to. All
0: right. So, have any of you guys ever participated in Online forums about a game that was particularly deep or engaging that became an extension of the game. For example, uh, I didn't do it with Dark Souls, but with Demon Souls, and I always come back to this game. I'm sorry. Um, I got very involved with. You know, figuring everything out because it wasn't as overt or obvious in the first game as it was in Dark Souls. How to really do everything. So I got involved in like these forums and people asking questions and reading everyone's responses on making builds and different things like that. Have you guys? I haven't
2: done it in like probably almost ten years now. But uh, when I was a teenager, I was heavily involved in uh, in forums for. A couple games. Uh, the first one was the Suikoden series. Uh, because when I first played Suikoden 2, that game blew my mind, so I ended up going online and finding forums and finding uh people who enjoyed the game um just as much as I did. Uh, and we talked about um, you know, different plot lines, certain characters, what those characters' plot lines were, you know, all the lore. How to? Uh, there were 108 characters, and you there were different endings if you got them or not. So we talked about all that stuff. We talked about speed runs because we would played so much. Um, and I ended up forming a couple of uh, of friendships that that I still have today. And um, I also spent years uh, in forums based around uh, Jedi Knight 2 and Jedi Academy um, and mods that came out of that. We would talk um, aside from just general guild stuff. We talked about you know lightsaber combat. And you know strategies and how to uh, how like what form was better than the other and when to strike best in that form and all that different kind of stuff, um, but it was it, a lot of that stuff actually is some of like my fondest memories from like those years from my teenage years that, that didn't involve you know like hanging out with my real time friends like R L friends I guess or
1: R <laughs> L <laughs> my I R L friend, <laughs> um, my form experience again like Mike's was. A long time ago, back in the days of Game Facts. I was a big time proponent of the Game Facts boards, specifically the Final Fantasy games and Marvel vs. Capcom Two. Marvel vs Capcom Two would get into some deep, deep discussions about like team synergy and who worked well with who and, and you know, ever and and what teams you could play around with. A lot of the times it would always go to like the best in the game. And, it, and then the, for, the thread would cut. But in between there, it would be interesting to hear how pe- different people were using different sets of three in different ways and how it worked and how it didn't. It, it was fascinating. And it led to me trying characters and teams that I wouldn't normally have tried, which was which was cool. Very cool. Um, and for Final Fantasy, it was mostly kind of like what Mike was saying with and uh strategy how to get past certain parts, side quests that I might not have known about. I wouldn't even have known Omega Weapon was in Final Fantasy 8 if it wasn't for GameFAQs. Um, with the whole ringing the bell and getting there in time to fight him thing, I, I wouldn't even have known that happened. Um, Final Fantasy 8 right there. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm, I'm with him in that it was mostly about strategy and then gameplay elements and stuff like that.
0: How about How about you, Chris?
1: Uh why I mean CY. <laughs>
3: um, I well, you know, talking of names, I spent quite a while uh being called Thorox because I was part of a hardcore raiding guild in World of Warcraft. So I spent a lot of time in my guild forum talking about, you know, the game itself and a lot of time reading forums as well. Um I mean, admittedly, I'm going to sound like such an asshole, but World of Warcraft is, uh, and this is speaking as somebody who tanked. So I, I mean, I I did one of what I would argue is one of the most difficult jobs uh, is really really fucking straightforward. <laughs> um, there was a really big community of people that would use like spreadsheets and and formula and algorithms and stuff, and you know, like the general sort of min min maxing. Um, component of any sort of hardcore fan base of any video game that involves stats but um, yeah I, I was pretty involved in that I've been kind of I was somewhat involved in the Gamers with Jobs Minecraft server forum because it was a place that I spent a lot of time in for a bit um, yeah I think, I think generally my experiences have generally been yeah sort of games that I've spent a lot of time playing but kind of discussing casually i don't think i had that many hardcore discussions mainly because it was just with raiding it was almost like a job so it's like i knew how to do my job and i did it and i never messed it up so i never really had to worry about i think i messed it up occasionally (laughs) but that was the fault of my internet connection um which is really awkward because if you're um if you ever play world of warcraft near a main tank and you disconnect during a raid uh, it means that you will watch yourself running into a wolf rages. You're desperately trying to talk to people for 10 seconds. And then when you log back in, everybody is dead. And 24 other people are sitting silently on vent, waiting for you to explain why you disappeared. Um, <laughs> the, fir- the first time they're a bit quiet. The third time it happens in the space of about 20 minutes, <laughs> like... Even, even like the British politeness goes away, and someone says, Yeah, you should probably go for the night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
3: yeah, those that that's yeah, that was about as, as deep as my forum and in go, involvement got. I read a lot of them, but I, I tend not to take part of that frequently. You're a lurker, I am. I am a lurker. I became a lurker in my own comments threads for my own games. I always thought I was gonna, um. I always thought if I ever had a load of comments on something I've made, I was never going to be one of those people that only responded to every so often. But um, that only works to a point when there's like, when over a hundred of them appear in a space of like 24, 48 hours, like after a point, you just end up responding to uh, the ones that are more unique than the rest of them, rather than responding every time someone says, oh, that was really adorable.
1: (laughs) That seemed to be the main critique he got that was from the general hovering.
3: gist was yeah
1: adorable slash
0: i've hugged someone since playing <laughs> so actually this is something i wanted to ask you in particular cy is having moved from games journalism to game creation how do you value the general conversation about games be it on twitter facebook you know forums whatever um as a a creator uh, B, a critic, and C, just a consumer or gamer? Is okay. it different? Um,
3: it, it is. Uh, I actually wrote down the answers for each one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a creator, I think um, the conversation has changed me quite a lot because the, the contents of my Twitter feed and who I follow has changed quite a lot. I follow less games journalists and more indie developers, which means that the tone... Um, and I, I being sort of realistic rather than sort of uh, deliberately incendiary is just that the the tone is generally a lot more positive um a lot more passive a lot more supportive because they've not really got any criticism to offer they don't really have to analyze uh, things in the same way that games journalists do so they tend to be very uh, community based very very sort of warm and and happy and excitable and um, and that's been quite nice. Um, that's been a nice uh, change. They've been super supportive. I mean, I guess the best example I could give you is that I, I discovered that, you know, I had to move out really quickly. And within an hour, they had basically found me a place to live just by me talking to that community on on Twitter. Wow. Um, them and the Games Journalism community. So it's, it's, it's an amazing group of people. Um, As a critic, um, I would recommend that anybody that reviews video games should make at least one small video game, like a small, simple platformer, even if it just has one level. Um, Because the amount that you will learn about stuff like uh, collision and design and bugs is uh, phenomenal. Like I will will, will never be able to review a video game in the same way that that I did before because I understand so much more and it's made me a lot more patient, if anything. Um like I used to get really annoyed when I find like uh, weird collision bugs in Skyrim, like I get stuck in the side of a mountain or in Fallout I think got stuck between rocks and I had to restart from a save. And it's um it's frustrating when it happens, but then like looking for it looking at it from the perspective I've now, I've made some really, really simple, straightforward games and they have bugs that I never even thought would exist. Um so to look at something with as many variables as Skyrim, it's actually a wonder that there are so few bugs. Um as a consumer, um I'm just I'm actually playing less games. I found that these days I can unless I'm really engaged, like Bioshock Infinite, I sat and basically played for uh, two, three nights in a row until it was done. Um I think I finished at like five in the morning. Uh but most of the time now I can't I can't really sit and play most games for longer than about an hour. Um but I can sit and make games for like seven hours and barely leave my seat. Um, mm. So it's kind of I found something where I can kind of because it combines my two favorite things. It combines being creative and playing games because mm-hmm. I'm sort of constantly building stuff. But I'm also constantly having to test everything that I build. Um, I'm really quite um, <laughs> obsessive, funnily enough, but I'm I'm really quite obsessive with testing. Uh, so it's it's, you know, it's good fun. Now, I,
1: I, now now that you're a yeah. developer, I have a question. Um, do you find that when you're playing a game you th- you think to yourself, well, I would have done this differently? I would have... Has it kind of ruined games in a sense where now as you're playing a game you're like, oh, well, I might not be the best developer in the world, but I would totally not make that mistake or that kind of thing? Uh,
3: I I guess I have two examples. One was when I was actually smiling while playing Borderlands 2 while jumping up and down on a rock um, because <laughs> I was I was exploring how the collision detection worked um, because I noticed that if you jumped on a certain area of the rock you would slide down it in a certain way and that you would stick to it or sometimes when I just see really I, I have a really big thing about collision detection now because um, it's a big it's a big part of games uh, especially you know platformers and action right. games and things like that so. That's been that's changed. Like I'm really impressed by stuff now in a way that I wasn't before because I see more of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So, Um,
0: oh, sorry.
3: I was just gonna say the other example was I was playing Thomas was alone, um, and there was an issue with the way that one of the moving platforms was uh, worked. But I had had exactly the same issue. Um, I had had exactly the same issue with one of the moving platforms in Hug Marine. So. I was then, through that experience, I was able to email Mike Bithel, describe the problem to him completely, and actually explain to him what the problem was and why it was happening and how it could be fixed. Um, That's
0: really cool. So that able, probably felt good. I was,
3: I was able to have that dialogue, so that I was, yeah, it's, it's different now. I'm just more appreciative, more impressed, rather more cynical, I find.
0: Awesome. Now, just in case someone doesn't really get what collision detection is, uh, as I understand collision detection, and I'm no developer, just a lowly games critic, um, basically, collision detection, in its most simple definition, is what gives your world shape You know, in this imaginary programming space. Uh, yeah. If there's no yeah. collision detection, there are no things in the world. Even it's if they're just like, there, they're they're not there unless there's collision.
3: Yeah, so it's sort of like even if you have, um, even if you have like invisible, like you can pass through uh, mist or you you know pass through like a sensor or something. Like almost everything you will interact with in a video game has like an invisible box around it. It's all, it's like it's like invisible walls. Invisible walls is the easiest way to describe collision detection. Mm-hmm. It's just. Uh, it knows that you run into... It's a series of invisible boxes around everything that you can't see that defines what you can and can't pass through as the player. So uh, no-clip is the famous way to turn collision detection off.
0: Right. Um, and I think I, I kind of butted in before you got to as a consumer, did I? No? Um,
3: no, I, I just, just generally, you know, I'm just... Uh, I'm more interested in games I wouldn't have been interested in before, but that's generally because I've just I've learned more about the indie game scene in the same way that like um like Jason's a really good example, like he kind of um threw himself head first into the indie game scene, started talking about it on um hot off the grill.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and uh, you know, it just it is it's just that sort of general enthusiasm because there's so many different uh ideas like the indies tend to be able to do stuff that most people don't i mean i've seen i saw an indie game recently where the two mechanics that you had to do at the same time were crying and masturbating <laughs> um it's called uh it's called cry wank face i'm kind of ashamed that it exists but it is a real game um oh man but that can exist in indie games uh but can that time, exist so in
0: people- real life I don't think so. Um,
3: first. I don't know. I guess it I guess it depends it depends on how depressed, lonely, and uh you mm. know ju- uh, uh equipped you are. <laughs> this is um this has gone a weirdo. I feel like you've led me in
1: to uh, <laughs> to uh fly yeah. wake <laughs> <laughs> that
0: was my plan all along to get you to cry wank face know, all about, over this podcast.
3: I, I know that the designer of that game is going to be absolutely thrilled that I worked to mention of that into this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's weird stuff, but there's also stuff like Dysphoria, which is you know a flash game about hormone replacement therapy as a series of mini games, um, and that's not a game that EA would publish. Um, but it exists, and it's been played by hundreds of thousands of people, and has given Ananthropy, the creator her career. Mm. So you know, it's yeah, it's it's awesome on on uh, awesome and weird. Oh. Uh, obviously, awesome being dysphoria, and weird being yeah, uh, cry
0: wing face. <laughs> <laughs> but for games I'm like so this, what, what's really interesting is that games like this exist, a and then people know about them. Be in you know in a world five ten maybe ten years ago. Um, we how would we have known about these games really? You would have had to have waited for somebody with the forum to talk about these games to actually discover them decide that it was worth talking about and then deliver it to the masses i.e. in a magazine or something or or on a website but now you have this distilled form of uh, we can call it journalism you know by the masses we'll call it public journalism citizen journalism yeah citizen journalism i mean we've seen it with with real world events too and it applies to just the existence of products uh, there we are with products again. Maybe not products, but ex- but maybe experiences, whatever. Um, and it applies to these games, and it really makes them visible. Like, the 100th the monkey effect is actually a possible thing very quickly with the advent of social media and Twitter. And I, I think that's really cool. Um, I mean, we have an entire field, you know, in in gaming was kind of invented around this community management was not a not really a thing before social media right so now you have people who are being paid real salaries they they're making money just to sort of gather together the people who are talking about And I, I mean I'm not you know belittling that that profession uh, there's plenty more that goes into that but but the fact that this that these social avenues exist just make things so much more visible. And I mean, I credit social media to alerting me to a number of different games that I would never have found otherwise. And I love that. And I mean, that's, I feel like that's kind of what you're saying here. I see why.
3: Yeah. It's just, it's just that kind of being able to being able to kind of have that conversation. I mean, realistically, indie games, have have existed for you know decades um but like indie games in terms of um because you you sometimes get really good examples like like you know indie game the movie drew a lot of attention to indie games as did you know notch and minecraft and stuff but the problem with indie game the movie was it was quite misleading in that um you had three developers that had you know come up with with, with brilliant games and sort of overcome a lot of you know financial difficulty but they were also, you know, realistically, you know, four straight white men that had deals with Microsoft. Mm. Um, you know, it's like a really straightforward uh, route into game shows And most people don't have deals with Microsoft. Most people don't have deals uh, hmm. at all. But yeah, it's it's like seeing stuff go viral. Um, I guess the best example I could give you would probably be. Um, uh, Sauszekowski made a game. Recently, the name has completely escaped me. I'm sure it'll return at some point just before I go to bed or something. Um, where he realized that people were pirating his game on the Pirate Bay. So he found the page that the torrent was on and he went into the comments thread. And he basically wrote, I, you know, I really hope you enjoy the game if you have any feedback uh, that that would be great. Here's five codes for legal, you know, legitimate copies of the game. I hope you have a really great time. You know, get on with it. And uh, uh, the people running the Pirate Bay then approached him and and said, you know, can we feature your game on the front page of the Pirate Bay website? And as a result, he ended up selling a lot more copies of his game. So it's just that kind of uh, indies tend to be able to do sort of weird stuff that that tends to get talked about a lot more, which I think helps.
0: It's crazy. God, it, it kind of sucks, but it's kind of cool. That, that story. Yeah,
3: it, just, it just depends on the way you deal with piracy. I mean, the people that made the most recent Serious Sam game, so, uh, you know, rather than uh, enforcing, you know, archaic DRM, you know, if you pirate that game uh, from the first level onwards, you get chased by a giant, super fast, invincible pink scorpion um, <laughs> all the way through the game. Um and that's the only punishment for pirating it is that scorpion they don't do anything else um which is brilliant i love that ex- I, I love that approach because it just gave an entire group of people an additional challenge to sort of to complete rather than just kind of punishing them in a way that you know drm always tends to punish people that bought it legally far more than people that pirated it so
0: So, I mean, unless you guys have, have anything more specifically to add about, um, about the effects of game discussion on your overall, you know, worldview or, or gaming habits, I think we, we've hit a lot of different points.
1: I just wish things would be more objective and less reactionary, yeah. thought out. But that, you know, everybody's been saying that about every profession ever. Yeah. Listen to sports talk radio, that's, that's well thought out. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think your fundamental i think the fundamental flaw is always going to be that it's just it's human beings that are doing those jobs
0: yeah well yeah. So it's, it's um, just, everything's so easily accessible it's just too easy to just spit something out you know exactly. if, yeah. if it was more difficult to do then people would take the time to like make it happen the right way um yeah and it's almost like we're we we're kind of I don't know the the types of people who are on social media talking about games are the types of people who have been playing games and the types of people who who enjoy that sort of um, in interactivity I, I guess you could say when you do something in a game you know you there's a reaction you know so when you do something on Twitter it's you don't just like say it and then walk away you know you kind of say it and then Maybe you, you sit there and see, hey, did anyone respond to what I just tweeted? I thought it was funny. Did anyone else think it was funny? I think that was good. Did anyone else think it was good? You know, I mean, it's, it's sort of like a game with yourself, um, like, like hitting a ball up against the wall, and the ball comes back to you. And that's sort of the basic instinct of, of what we're playing with here, with video games at all. So it just sort of spills into the social media. All right, guys. Well, uh, that that I think covers everything. Um, social media, for better or for worse, kind of affects what we do with regard to gaming, how we feel, um, and how we see things. But uh, that's where we're gonna call it a day here on Versus Node. I thank you all for joining me um especially mr cy it's been a while since you've been around and we love having you here yeah thank you mr cy london reed
3: missed is, hearing that this. that, that, that is said. definitely my middle name
0: <laughs> what is your middle name
3: uh my middle name is yanni
0: which is oh, greek for john Cool. hence the y yes chris
1: spoilers greek for john or the excellent musician yeah. Yes, exactly, Yanni, uh,
3: who I am, much to my discredit, not fully aware of. That's fine. Oh no! But I've I've heard of. I I get the feeling it's more of a
1: an American
3: it's, yeah, it's uh, musical more,
1: thing. Yeah, yeah, it's more of an American joke. <laughs> <laughs> but no no discredit to your name. It's just funny.
3: Oh no! totally like you're a joke, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>
0: Awesome. All right. Um, thanks, guys. It was good having you. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, Versus Node shall return.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: See you later. See you. can you just uh, give us an american accent real quick because i don't think i've had the the pleasure of hearing englishmen do american accents very frequently in my lifetime and this is that moment
3: um my name is uh, cy reed i make video games uh i make them about uh a space marine and he goes and he lands on planets and Stop he it. uh <laughs> That's pretty good.
1: That, that was Bad. gross.
3: No, that was pretty good. He
0: said <laughs> um a lot, yeah, was, but I, you were just it
3: gross. It was gross. Good. Yeah, you know, As long as none of the adjectives you're using are racist, then I consider that a victory.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, obviously, good. you were just saying um because you couldn't think of what to say, right? Not because you were making fun of Americans who always say um. I hope.
3: No, <laughs> <Okay>. not deliberately. <laughs> okay.
2: Um. <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs>